Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast you really don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and today you're going to get a sneak peek behind the scenes at what it's like to be an author. You're going to hear the backstory behind the book, who or what inspires the person, where their ideas came from, and, you know, who knows, you might even get the inside scoop on a new project. If you want to know more about them and their work, we'll tell you where to find them on social media. Joining me today is an extraordinary man. His name is Larry Levine, and he's here to talk about his food memoir, Cooking for a Beautiful Woman, The Tastes and Tales of a Wonderful Life. Larry has done so many things. He's the founder and editor and publisher of the online food magazine, Table Talk at Larry's. He's authored hundreds of features about food and restaurants, and he estimates that he's cooked 30,000 meals. I don't even know if I cooked five during a lifetime of passion for all things food related. Not only that, He's one of California's premier political consultants. He's directed more than 200 campaigns for candidates and ballot measures in seven states with a winning record. Before entering the world of politics, he was a news reporter and an editor for 15 years. And I have to say that this wonderful book, Cooking for a Beautiful Woman, was a finalist for the Nancy Pearl Award Best Memoir of 2020. Larry Levine, welcome to Books on Air. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to have you. Well, thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for making uh, yourself and the time available. Um, we're going to talk, I presume, about a couple of my favorite subjects. Um, you know, as as you're aware, uh, food is one of the great passions of my life, uh, and uh, this book uh, came about because of, of two things. One, it's my passion for food, and two, it's because I have been so fortunate over the, the decades to have met an incredible number of very strong, independent, uh, intelligent women who have added to the sum of my life. And, uh, and in the, all of those relationships, food was the glue that binded, or bound, I guess is the word. Um, uh, you know, whether it was cooking together at home or eating together in restaurants, um, and we got to know each other over over dinner plates. Where did this romance with food get started, Larry? Uh, that, that's an interesting question. My mother was not a particularly good cook. She made a few things really well, and a lot of things not so well. Um, and, and I guess it was the environment in the house that gave me the freedom to express the, the fact that, no, Mom, I really don't like this liver. Uh, my, uh, my, my mom it made liver to the consistency of shoe leather because that's how my father liked it. And he gave me the freedom to say, Mom, I really don't like this liver. You know, on, on the night you're going to make liver, why don't you skip me and I'll make my own dinner. Um, <laughs> I'm right there with I you, by did. the way. And I did. I think I was about 14 years old. Uh, the first time I went around the corner and I bought, believe it or not, 14 years old, I bought a piece of calf's heart, which was another thing my mom made frequently and I really loved. I came home and I made myself some calf's heart and mashed potatoes and peas. And I loved it. Um, uh, and I just, I, I, I 
I, I get so much joy and so much relaxation from food, whether it's shopping for it or cooking it or eating it. To me, a, a supermarket is like a playground. I go there and I and I have all of these great relationships and conversations. There's a checkout clerk at the market where I was this morning, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, we sing duets together while she's checking out. Uh, she's musically inclined, and I love music, opera, Broadway shows, whatever. And one day I came up, and I was humming uh, the Mexican uh, ballad, uh, Solamente Una Vez. You belong to my heart, now and forever, was the English language. And she said, oh, is that Solamente? And I said, yeah, we sat, we stood there. She sang the, the Spanish language lyric, and I sang the, the English language together, while everybody behind me in the checkout line stood there and watched and then applauded. So, <laughs> uh, so it's, I, you know, I don't know where genetically this came from this passion for food, this ability to cook, to invent new recipes. I mean, the book has 102 easy recipes for the home cook. Well, one of them is not so easy. Uh, my mom's old recipe for gefilte fish is a real te teaser. Um, but the rest of them, they're really easy. And I think since the book was published, I've probably invented another 40 or 50 recipes. Um, it's just, I keep going. I just keep going. I, 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 you know, when, when the, the COVID hit in March of 2020, uh, Jennifer and I decided we're going to hunker down. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to work from home. Uh, she is severely asthmatic and had absolutely no interest in going out of the house. I cooked 340 consecutive dinners for us. 340 consecutive nights. Wow. And, and the string was only broken because I developed a stomach flu or stomach bar, whatever you want to call it, one day, and just didn't feel like getting out of bed, so I didn't cook that day. Otherwise, it would still be going. Um, it's it's what I do. I cook. I really, you know, at the end of the day, I pour myself a glass of wine, put some nice music on, we'll go into the kitchen and and and, and cook dinner. Um, it used to be I would shop on the way home for dinner. Since the virus, I do my once a week, one hour senior citizen hour in the market, load up for the week. And then every day we say, what should we have for dinner tomorrow night? And I take that out of the freezer and just start planning my schedule for the next day, including when do I have to go into the kitchen? So it's worked out. You know, this horrible situation, we've just made the best out of it. You know, I can hear in your voice, you and I talked about this before we started the interview, I can hear in your voice the passion that you feel for food. And as I thought about the book, I mean, I've I've read the book, and the stories are amazing and wonderful. And there's always a two-story. Every book has two stories. The reader will buy a copy of the cookbook and they'll cook some of the wonderful recipes and they'll read the stories and that'll make the recipes meaningful for them. But there's always a story behind the book. Now, how in the world did you decide, A, which women to include in the book and B, which recipes to include to represent that woman? I can't imagine the choices you must have had. <laughs> it was, it, it was actually, it was a lot of fun. Um, the decision wasn't which women to include, it's which ones I 
I couldn't fit in, which ones had to be left out. That's why the last chapter, Mothers and Daughters and Others, the subtitle is Personal and Professional Fulfillment, right. is kind of a hodgepodge of references to an innumerable number of women who just somehow or another, I, I didn't devote a chapter to them, but I couldn't leave them out of the book completely. Um, I, and the same thing with recipe, the recipes. I, yeah, I, I, I looked for recipes. It was, in some cases, it was easy. In, in chapter nine, uh, Marna's story, um, uh, dinner at some of the, the old famous sunset strip recipes was something we, we did regularly. Marna was, uh, the only woman in my life other than Jennifer, who I ultimately married, who I ever considered I might spend my life with. I mean, we, we had a, just a fairy tale romance um, that ended because she knew I was going to want to have children someday, and she knew she never would. But in her chapter, it was easy. I included the recipes from some of the old Sunset Strip restaurants that we used to go to. Um, my mother, uh, her chapter, which is obviously the first one, um, you know, I thought back over, you know, of, of all the things she cooked, what am I still cooking? What am I still doing today? Um, her Roma- my mom's family was Romanian ancestry. Uh, her Romanian eggplant salad was a no-brainer. That had to go in. Um, and it went from there. The hardest one to, to window down the recipes on was Jennifer, my wife. She loves to eat. She loves to eat as much as I love to cook. She doesn't like cooking. It's a perfect match. Perfect match. Um but she will eat anything. I mean, anything and everything. And I'm trying. And I had to figure out, you know, what is it of all the things you cook that best uh, uh, describes the the food part of our life? And that was very, very tough to do. Um, my my aunt Tilly, uh, an incredible story, um, chapter eleven, uh, an indomitable spirit, an incredible survival. Tilly Tudor, one of a kind. Um, Tilly became internationally famous because of a traffic accident in the year 2000. Um, she was 80 plus years old, uh, living in South Florida, and went missing because uh, a drunk driver had hit her car and knocked it over, over off a bridge, and she was suspended in the mangrove upside down in her Toyota for three days. Uh, and they were just about to give up uh, looking for her when uh, a young man, a boy, and his father, who were doing highway cleanup, happened to look over the railing and see her down there, see the car down there, until he stuck her foot out the window and waved at them with her foot. And that's how she was rescued. Oh, my gosh. What an incredible, incredible story. Um, And Tilly was my mother's youngest sister. Um, It was easy to to know what uh, to put in that chapter, because we visited her in Florida often, and she always made us the same dinner for the first night. Um, she started out with chicken livers and sweetbreads and mushrooms and onions and peas. Uh, you know, a very uh, selective taste palate. And then she would make a brisket of beef. Um, and I and I make what I think maybe <laughs> I, I make an extraordinary brisket of beef. I use. Not quite Tilly's recipe, but it's the foundation of it. Um, so that was an easy one to pick. Um, the uh, There's a chapter on uh, the opera sing- singer Maria Callas. 
easy to pick. Now, how did you, wait, wait, wait. How did you meet somebody like, I mean, you've got chapters on Maria Callas, Judy Garland, Peggy Fleming. How did you meet those women? Well, I didn't meet all of them. Uh, they they were influences on my life. Maria Callas, I, I met sitting in the first row of the balcony of a theater. Uh, she was on stage. Uh, I had idolized Maria Callas for, I mean, I'm a huge opera fan, huge opera fan. And uh, it turned out she was doing one of her farewell tour concerts in L.A. on my birthday. Oh. And... Uh, and I and it was the only opportunity I had ever had to actually see her. And I grabbed tickets for Jennifer and I and my parents, and we went and saw her. Um, and the the chapter is as much an homage to uh, to opera, and as it is to Maria Callas, because she, while I idolized her as a singer, she isn't even my all time favorite soprano. That would be, would have been Morella Franey. Um, but it was the incident of the coincidence of her being here on my birthday just set it up. And it was easy to decide to use uh, uh, the, uh, the Greek recipes. Judy Garland, probably, not probably, definitely the greatest entertainer I have ever seen to my taste. Um, my mother was a professional singer before she got married. She sang with the Paul Whiteman band. Walter Winchell used to call the, the Broadway columnist called her the little girl with the big voice. She was likened to Judy Garland in, the, in her singing style and her voice, vocal quality. Um, I became enamored of Judy Garland's personality as well as her voice, and would, I would travel all over to see her. I mean, I, I cannot count the number of times I watched Judy Garland. Uh, and one night, one magical night at the Sahara Hotel in Las Vegas, um, I happened to be in the audience, and, and her performance clicked that night with uh, with a truly Judy audience. And when she finished, the place erupted. And the next thing I knew, I was standing on a tabletop, throwing rolls in the air, screaming my head <laughs> off. And I looked around, and I wasn't the only one standing on a chair or a table. I mean, this the place went crazy. Um, it was, of all the Garland concerts I ever saw, this one probably resonated as, as greatly as the, the famous Carnegie Hall concert. So again, easy. What do I do? What were the favorite dishes I had at the, at, when I was, during my bachelor days when I was hanging out in Vegas? I put those in here. Um, and that was how I essentially chose the, the recipes of how to choose the women Tough, tough, tough thing. I mean, obviously, my mother comes first. You know, that's where it all started. Uh, and, and the beginning of her chapter starts with it all began in the kitchen of a downstairs rear apartment in a two-story uh, brownstone in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, that's where the foundation was laid. Why don't, um, we, why don't we give the listeners a little tease? Larry, and why don't you um, read a little bit from the book so that they can hear what you've started with? Well, I'm going to, I'll, I'll do that, but I would rather do the introduction because it better summarizes the whole book. Perfect. Um, so, so here we go. Uh, from the streets and playgrounds of Brooklyn, New York, to the Sunset Strip and the Las Vegas Strip, and at countless stops along the way, the women 
of cooking for a beautiful woman, honed the tastes and wrote the tales of the wonderful life I have known. They were singers and secretaries, classmates and teachers, actresses and attorneys, mothers, daughters, granddaughters, friends, lovers, and mentors. Together and separately, they wove a tapestry of smiles and tears and inspired the warm, funny, tender, and sweet stories that fill these pages. And that about tells it. That about that 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 describes how I decided. I mean, of course, my mother had to be first. Had to be first. Right. The day the war ended, VJ Day in 1945, uh, I was six years old. What an impression that made on me. And our landlord's teenage daughter uh, performed a song that night on. You know, there were block parties all over Brooklyn. They just they just sprung up. Uh, we nobody in the neighborhood even knew she could sing. She performed that night. She's there because she embodies to me the the importance of that night in my life and in the world. Um, uh, the next one is just kind of a fun chapter about puppy love, boys and girls together in in, in New York, um, and how I had uh, secret crushes on three girls in my class at the same time and <laughs> how I juggled not letting any of my buddies know about that. So I wouldn't be teased. Um, the next one is, is really important. It was after we moved to California, it was the first Mexican girl I ever met, um, uh, and her family. Um, she was, uh, she was 12. I was 10. We were in the same class together because she had missed, she had been held back a year because of language issues when she, when the family came up from Mexico and I had been skipped ahead a year because of the advanced uh, education in New York compared to here. So here we are, a 10 year old boy and a 12 year old girl, one from Brooklyn and one from Mexico. And we clicked, boy, did we click. Um, and I got to know her family, and that's where I ate my first Mexican food. Uh, was at her house, um, and um, and that's where my Mexican recipes are. Um, then you know, there's the magic of the, the the first touch, where I first danced with a girl during a junior high school band, um, where I, I spent the entire evening trying to avoid dancing until she came up at the Sadie Hawkins dance and asked me to dance, and I couldn't say no. Uh, because I really didn't know how to dance. Uh, then there's a high school teacher, the Christian missionary and the kid from Brooklyn. I, 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 there was a teacher at Burbank High School here in L.A., um, the most unlikely click in the, clicking in the world. She was a 51-year-old former Christian missionary in China, she and her husband. And I was this teenage Brooklyn Jewish street kid, uh, and we hit it off. I mean, it's just one of those magic things that happens between two unlikely people. Um, and uh, so she had to be in there. For Forever 17 was a teenage romance. It, it lasted one day, but boy, did it, it was, you know, what, what, a, what a moment it was in my life. Convertible cars and celebrity bars were my bachelor years. And boy, what a fun chapter that was to remember. Um, you know, meeting Natalie Wood uh, uh, and kicking myself for not asking her to dinner. Um, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, hanging out at, at, at the, the clubs in L.A. Um, just being a bachelor in L.A. and at a magical time. So then, and then along comes the chapter nine, Marna's time, where things got really serious. Um, and I fell in love. Boy, did I fall in love. Um, and, and then Jennifer, um, 
after Marna and I broke up, Jennifer, uh, the, the relationship, Marna was the relationship that was supposed to last a lifetime and didn't. Jennifer was the relationship that we stumbled into and has lasted 52 years. Um, and then there's the Tilly chapter, the indomitable uh, survival. Um, and then the granddaughters. Boy, being a, a grandfather of granddaughters, what a life-altering experience that is. What a life-altering experience. <laughs> you know, the first time somebody called me granddad, I looked around to see who they were talking to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's... But we, we've got three granddaughters. There's one is 16 and driving. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. One is 10 and recently took over running the household because mommy, daddy, and her sister all, all came down with, with mild cases of COVID, but uh, enough to, to where it sidelined them. So 10-year-old Elise took over cooking breakfasts and lunches and just, you know, improved that she was far more mature than anybody believed, than anybody realized she was. She has the um, cooking gene. Well, my, my son Lloyd is a really, really good cook. Much more adventuresome even than I am. I mean, you know, he cooks so, sous vide. I, I can hardly say sous vide. Um, and, 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 but he's doing now what I did at the same age, in the 40s and 50s, dinner parties at the house all the time. I used to do that incessantly. We'd have you know six, eight, ten people here at the house, friends, and I would cook ethnic meals: Chinese, Chinese dinners, uh, Greek dinners. Uh, uh, you know, I'd find the ethnicity of one of our guests and cook a meal based on that person's background. Um, and, and Lloyd's doing the same thing now. Um, uh, so yeah, so uh, you know, at least seeing Grandpa Larry and and Daddy Lloyd uh, cooking all the time um, picked it up. I mean, first she wanted to make pancakes, then she wanted to make scrambled eggs, and now she's she just loves being in the kitchen. Um, so that so that's you know it was just a chronological thing of you know, what were the lines of demarcation throughout my life. And realization that it really was women. This did not start out to be this book. This, this, it, it, I, I know I'm rambling, but <laughs> there's a natural, there's a natural segue here. Uh, back in 1986, I decided I wanted to write a cookbook. Oh, 1986. So 80, 1986. Wow. So I went, I went and I enrolled in a course at UCLA Night School in cookbook cooking, cookbook writing. And after one session, I realized I didn't have a cookbook, that you could have a million great recipes. That doesn't make a cookbook. There's got to be a story. Either that or you have to be a celebrity or a nutritionist or some, you know, there's got to be something else, not just great recipes. And for years, I pondered on what that could be. And, and I started writing and I started writing and it was a very different flavor than this book. I went, I went to lunch once with one of the women who worked for me and we were sitting at the food court at the Fashion Square Mall in, in Sherman Oaks in L.A. And it's an upscale mall um, where the women who are there during the day, are you know, they live an upscale life. And it suddenly dawned on me, Kathy, that's my book, Cooking for a Beautiful Woman. And she said, yeah, that's it. 
because she realized she she'd Kathy had worked for me for twenty four years, and she realized what how much I preferred the company of women to men, how I really don't like men in groups of more than one, um, uh, how I appreciated women, and how important they were in my life. There was a point in my political career where I had elected more women to public office than any other consultant in the country. Not because I set out to do that. It just happened. So when I said that to Kathy, she said, yeah, that's it. And that's when I went to work on what ultimately became this book. Well, we need to tell the listeners where they can find it. Now, it is on Amazon. And so I know that I always assume that there may be somebody in our listening audience, although in this day and time I can't imagine it, who has not gone to Amazon. And they may be saying, I don't know how to do this. It's very simple. All you do in your browser at the top of your computer is type in www, the word Amazon, com, and then click on that. And it'll bring you up to Amazon's home page. Now, the first time you go there, it's a little bit intimidating because there's all this stuff. What you're looking for is really a blank space. There's a long, sort of a light gray search box. In that search box, type the title of the book. Larry's book is Cooking for a Beautiful Woman, The Tastes and Tales of a Wonderful Life by Larry, L-A-R-R-Y, Levine, L-E-V-I-N. Click on that, and the book comes right oh, up. But, Suzanne? Yes. There's an E at the end of it. L-E-V-I-N-E, Levine. Yeah. Did I leave off the E? Yes. Okay, we got it. Now, we got it. Who is this that's on the cover of the book? That is my mother. Boy, she was a stunner. Yeah, that is my mother, Norma. Her, her, her actual name was Norma Solomon. She sang with the Paul Whitener Band under the name of Norma Stone. And uh, that is one of the pictures from back in those days. I mean, I want to go in a little different direction if I could, Suzanne. Uh, there's a shortcut way that if somebody wants to buy the book, right. which I hope they will, and I'll tell you more about why in a second. Uh, if they go to the website for the book, Instead, you go to www.LarryLevineAuthor. Larry Levine Author. And remember, there's an E at the end of Levine. Dot com. That will take you to the website for the book where you can read the introduction, you can look at the table of contents, you can look at the index of recipes, you can see photos and short stories of some of the women, you can read some of the reviews of the book, and you can click on Buy the Book. And if you click on buy the book, it will offer you three choices. You can go to Amazon to buy it, Barnes & Noble to buy it, or the publisher, Archway Publication, to buy it. Um, So I think it's a a quicker and easier way than uh, getting established with Amazon and having to go through all that. So go to www.LarryLevineAuthor.com, click on buy the book. Um, You also there can see a a one-minute video uh, of me uh, cooking a meatloaf uh, and uh, talking about the book. Um, now, if if you really want to do something nice, uh, you'll buy the book from the publisher instead of Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Jennifer, my wife, and I decided that we are donating any 
any royalties, any profits from the sale of the book to breast cancer and leukemia research and treatment. Um, uh, my mother and two sisters all had, each had breast cancer, and Jennifer's 15-year-old sister died of leukemia. I didn't write this book to make money. I wrote it to entertain and inform. And before it was published, quite a ways before, we decided, you know what? We're going to give away all the money to, to breast cancer and leukemia research. And if you buy the book through the publisher, through Archway, my my royalties are greater, so it increases the amount of money we can give to, to cancer and uh, leukemia research. If it's more convenient for you to buy it from Barnes & Noble or Amazon, that's fine, too. That's fine. Um, I think that this is just so wonderful that you're doing this. Not only, it just creates, in my mind, a real win-win, because someone will get a wonderful book, not only with terrific stories, but terrific recipes as well. And at the same time, they'll be doing something positive to help someone else. As a breast cancer survivor myself, I want to say thank you very much for doing that, because I think it's so important. Well, thank you for that comment. And I, you know, I remind everybody, it, you know, it's it's August, but holiday gift buying is not that far away. Perfect and, uh, Christmas present. This book makes a wonderful holiday gift. Wonderful holiday gift. Um, as I said, there's 102 recipes, easy recipes for well, 101 easy recipes plus my mother's gefilte fish recipe, which is a very difficult recipe, but it's really funny. Uh, what I did is I took the three by five card on which she wrote the recipe hand wrote it and I just I, I printed it verbatim in the book with all of the grammatical and spelling and punctuation errors <laughs> and you know and, and when she went with the instructions on what to buy for it she says tell the man you want <laughs> and then she gives you the list of fish <laughs> and then I do the user friendly version of that same recipe where I translate it but anyway these are recipes for the home cook they are you know uh, don't let the fact that I have cooked as long and as much as I have intimidate you. Uh, Jennifer calls me a a a, a, ch- a chuff. She says I I don't I'm not a chef because I don't have the formal training, but I'm more than a cook, so I'm a chook. Um, and and that's what it is. It's uh, uh, these are my favorite words in cooking are to taste, which means do whatever you want if it tastes good. Um, use your own judgment. Don't be intimidated. Don't say, I hate to cook. I can't cook. I'm scared of cooking. Um, these are easy recipes. These are really easy recipes. And the stories, stories of the women are just, I, I think they're, uh, they're just incredible. This has just been so delightful. I do have one more question for you. Um, when the listeners go out and and buy a copy of the book, either um, on your website or from the publisher or from Amazon, wherever they get their copy. And they go through and they read the stories and they use the recipes and and they've they've sort of read the last chapter of the book and they close the back cover. Is there something else you want them to take away besides the fact that there are delicious recipes and wonderful stories? Is there another message from the, from the book? Um, life can be wonderful if you live it, if you let it happen. 
I almost changed the name of the book to the, the subtitle, The Tastes and Tales of a Wonderful Life, because I've had a wonderful life, primarily because I got a foundation from my parents that let me grow and develop uh, in some some incredible ways. I mean, you said at the beginning uh, something about the various things I've done with my life. Um, it, it's, it's, it's been just a wonderful journey. Um, uh, I'm not done yet. By no means, there's a great line from the, the from the show South Pacific. I am by no means through, uh, um, <laughs> and I and I guess that that's the message that you know, live life to its fullest, uh, enjoy every day, live every day as if you're darn sure there's going to be another one, um, and make sure every day that whatever you're doing is connected to something that happened yesterday and whatever you're going to be, and something you're going to be doing tomorrow. Uh, and it'll turn into a wonderful life. But when I when I have autographed the book for people, that's been my message to them. Um, it, it's been may all the tastes and tales of your life be wonderful. Well, you, my friend, are wonderful. This has just been so much fun. I have enjoyed our time together so much. Thank you so much, Larry, for spending so much time with us today on Books on Air. It's just been a pleasure. Well, thank you, too. It's, it, it's, it's been my pleasure also. Now, remember, you can find Cooking for a Beautiful Woman, The Tastes and Tales of a Wonderful Life, either on Amazon or on Larry's website. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, as well as Stitcher. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I hope that you'll join me for the next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.